0: Welcome to Fantasties, a fairy romance for men and women by George MacDonald. This is chapter four, part two. Great drops of rain began to patter on the leaves. Thunder began to mutter, then growl in the distance. I ran on. The rain fell heavier. At length, the thick leaves could hold it up no longer, and like a second firmament, they poured their torrents on the earth. I was soon drenched, but that was nothing. I came to a small, swollen stream that rushed through the woods. I had a vague hope that if I crossed this stream, I should be in safety from my pursuer. But I soon found that my hope was as false as it would vague. I dashed across the stream, ascended a rising ground and reached a more open space where stood only great trees. Through them I directed my way holding eastward as nearly as I could guess but not at all certain that I was not moving in an opposite direction. My mind was just reviving a little from its extreme terror when suddenly a flash of lightning or rather a cataract of successive flashes behind me seemed to throw on the ground in front of me but far more faintly than before from the extent of the source of the light the shadow of the same horrible hand I sprang forward stung to yet wilder speed but had not run many steps before my foot slipped and vainly attempting to recover myself I fell at the foot of one of the large trees half stunned I yet raised myself and almost involuntarily looked back all I saw was the hand within three feet of my face. But at the same moment I felt two large soft arms thrown around me from behind and a voice like a woman said Do not fear the goblin. He dares not hurt you now. With that the hand was suddenly withdrawn as from a fire and disappeared in the darkness and the rain. Overcome with a mingling of terror and joy, I lay for some time almost insensible. The first thing I remember is the sound of a voice above me, full and low, and strangely reminding me of the sound of a gentle wind amidst the leaves of a great tree. It murmured over and over again, I may love him, I may love him, for he is a man, and I am only a beech tree. I found I was seated on the ground, leaning against a human form and supported by the arms around me, which I knew to be those of a woman, who must be rather above the human size and largely proportioned. I turned my head, but without moving otherwise, for I feared lest the arms should untwine themselves and clear, somewhat mournful eyes met mine. At least, that is how they impressed me, But I could see very little of colour or outline as we sat in the dark and rainy shadow of the tree. The face seemed very lovely and solemn from its stillness, with the aspect of one who is quite content but waiting for something. I saw my conjecture from her arms was correct. She was above the human scale throughout, but not greatly. Why do you call yourself a beech tree? "'I said. "'Because I am one,' she replied in the same low, musical, murmuring voice. "'You are a woman,' I returned. "'Do you think so? "'Am I very like a woman, then?' "'You are a very beautiful woman. "'Is it possible you should not know it?' "'I am very glad you think so. "'I fancy I feel like a woman sometimes.' I do so tonight and always when the rain drips from my hair. For there is an old prophecy in our woods that one day we shall all be men and women like you. Do you know anything about it in your region? Shall I be very happy when I am a woman? I fear not, for it is always in nights like these that I feel like one but I longed to be a woman for all that. I had let her talk on, for her voice was like a solution of all musical sounds. I now told her that I could hardly say whether women were happy or not. I knew one who had not been happy, and for my part I had often longed for Fairyland as she now longed for the world of men. But then neither of us had lived long and perhaps people grew happier as they grew older, only I doubted it. I could not help sighing. She felt the sigh, for her arms were still round me. She asked me how old I was. Twenty-one, said I. Why, you baby, said she, and kissed me with the sweetest kiss of winds and odours. There was a cool faithfulness in the kiss that revived my heart wonderfully. I felt that I feared the dreadful ash no more. What did the horrible ash want with me? I said. I am not quite sure, but I think he wants to bury you at the foot of his tree. But he shall not touch you, my child. Are all the ash trees as dreadful as he? Oh, no. They are all disagreeable, selfish creatures. What horrid men they will make if it be true. But this one has a hole in his heart that nobody knows of but one or two. And he is always trying to fill it up, but he cannot. That must be what he wanted you for. I wonder if he will ever be a man. If he is, I hope they will kill him. How kind of you to save me from him. I will take care that he shall not come near you again. But there are some in the wood more like me, from whom, alas, I cannot protect you. Only if you see any of them very beautiful, try and walk round them. What then? I cannot tell you more. But now I must tie some of my hair about you, And then the ash will not touch you. Here, cut some off. You men have strange cutting things about you. She shook her long hair loose over me, never moving her arms. I cannot cut your beautiful hair, it would be a shame. Not cut my hair, it will have grown long enough before any is wanted again in this wild forest. Perhaps it may never be of any use again. Not till I am a woman. And she sighed. As gently as I could, I cut with a knife a long tress of flowing dark hair, she hanging her beautiful head over me. When I had finished, she shuddered and breathed deep, as one does when an acute pain, steadfastly endured without sign of suffering, is at length relaxed. She then took the hair and tied it round me singing a strange sweet song which I could not understand but left me in a feeling like this I saw thee ne'er before, I see thee nevermore, but love and help and pain, beautiful one, have made thee mine till all my years are done I cannot put more of it into words She closed her arms about me again and went on singing. The rain in the leaves and a light wind that had risen kept her song company. I was wrapped in a trance of still delight. It told me of the secret of the woods and the flowers and the birds. At one time I felt as if I was wandering in childhood through sunny spring forests over carpets of primroses, anemones, and little white starry things. I had almost said creatures, and finding new wonderful flowers at every turn. At another, I lay half dreaming in the hot summer noon, with a book of old tales beside me, beneath a great beech, or in autumn, grew sad because I trod on the leaves that had sheltered me, and received their last blessing in the sweet odours of decay, or in a winter's evening, frozen still, looked up as I went home to a warm fireside through the netted boughs and twigs to the cold snowy moon with her opal zone round her. At last I had fallen asleep, for I know nothing more that passed till I found myself lying under a superb beech tree in the clear light of the morning just before sunrise. Around me was a girdle of fresh beech leaves, Alas, I brought nothing with me out of fairyland but memories, memories. The great boughs of the beech tree hung drooping around me. At my head rose its smooth stem, with its great sweeps of curving surface that swirled like undeveloped limbs. The leaves and branches above kept on the song which had sung me asleep, only now to my mind it sounded like a farewell. And a speedwell. I sat a long time, unwilling to go, but my unfinished story urged me on. I must act and wonder. With the sun well risen, I rose and put my arms as far as they would reach around the beech tree and kissed it and said goodbye. A trembling went through the leaves. A few of the last drops of the night's rain fell off from them at my feet. And as I walk slowly away, I seem to hear in a whisper once more the words, I may love him, I may love him, for he is a man, and I am only a beech tree. Thank you. That was the end of the second part of chapter four of Fantasties. A Fairy Romance for Men and Women by George MacDonald. This has been Kevin Green, reading for the Hot Cocoa Club. Join me again for Chapter 5. Thank you. Goodbye.